If you brought your Bible, I, I want to go over to uh, the book of Hebrews again tonight. We, we looked at this verse, um, this uh, chapter number 10, by the way. We looked at this verse back a couple of services ago. We've been talking about end times. We're not going to really talk about it that much tonight. We are going to talk about some of the things we had unction on regarding the end times uh, when we were talking about the local church, the importance of the local church in the end times. I mean, uh, it's just not a day to be uh, a loner in the body of Christ. And that never was God's plan any, any day of the church, but especially today because of this verse. Here in Hebrews chapter number 10, look at verse number 25. He said to us, we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner we could say the habit of some is. You remember in Luke 4, Jesus said, that uh, it said in Luke 4, uh, on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as his custom was, as his custom. Jesus had a, had a habit of going to church. He had good church habits. That's, that's what a lot of people think today. They think they have need in this area of their life, that area of their life, other areas of their life. But uh, the real need is that they don't go to church. They don't have a pastor or they don't go to a church that's feeding them anything. Amen. Amen. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been to church before where it was, it was so hard to sit through the service, you didn't know you could hurt in so many places. And you're sitting on a pad that's that thick, you know, you just, you're still hurting. I don't know what that's like. I've been to that church. <laughs> but uh, so, <laughs> amen. So, but uh, no, not amen, so be it, but amen, you know what I'm talking about. But so we... We, uh, we have a need to understand what he's saying here. Assemble ourselves together as the man. Don't, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhort one another and so much the more. Look at this. As you see the day approaching. So the closer we get to the return of Jesus, which is what he means by the day approaching, we are to be gathering more and more in church. And then we shared in uh, 1 Chronicles chapter number 12, chapter number 12, and verse number 32, of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, the heads of them were 200 and all the brethren were at their command. There was a tribe back in this day, back in the day of Issachar, and I'm going to get back into that passage here in a little bit, uh, that, that uh, this was sort of their grace, yeah. you might say. That what was, everybody in the body of Christ has a supply. Yes, sir. Remember the Bible said, every joint supplies. And, and uh, we're all members yeah. of the body, and we all have something. How many of you know we, we can come to church and get our needs met, and we should come get our needs met, yeah. but we can also recognize that we have a supply for other people. Amen. We do. We all got a supply. There's, there's something in us that's a grace to be a blessing to others. Amen. We're not all called the fivefold, but we're all, we all have something to offer to the body of Christ. And so he set us in the church as it pleased him, and uh, even back in this day, in First Chronicles, although it wasn't the body of Christ, yet they all, and we could, we, we, I think later we're going to get back to this passage here. We'll see how, how this goes. But because there was a gathering together, here I go, I'll probably go right now. <laughs> this was a time whenever it describes the people gathering together after King Saul had died and a gathering and coalescing around David. Mm -hmm. Because God had said through Samuel, the man of God that was the leading uh, ministry in that day, Samuel was the leading ministry in this day, God had said that it was, uh, uh, that God actually had rejected Saul and that uh, he actually prophesied they would all be killed, Saul and his boys, uh, because they'd, you know, make their, their sons king in those days. But he said, but, uh, and he anointed David and he said, I'm, I'm anointing you because the spirit of God told me to. Yeah. And he said that uh, you're going to be the next king. Yeah. Well, the people recognized that. And when King Saul died, they started coalescing around David. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll, maybe we'll get to that. But anyway, it mentions each of their giftings. Each, of the, each tribe had something to offer. Each tribe was bringing something. Amen. Talks about all David's mighty men. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Some of those guys were amazing. But the anointing would come on them and they would be anointed to help in different ways. And this, this tribe, their, their uh, ability was, uh, by the grace of God, was that they, they had understanding of the times and what is a lot to do. That's a valuable thing. But, but see, really today, that's not just 
all of us are supposed to know what time it is yeah. in, the, in the things of God yes, and what we ought to be doing. Yes. It's really a type of the whole New Testament church because we all have the Holy Ghost today. Anyway, I said all that to say, um, according to, you put those two verses together, and according to Hebrews 10, 25, as the return of Jesus gets closer, what should we be doing? One, this verse says that we should be gathering together more and more in church. Well, many people obviously don't know how close the return of Jesus is because what they're doing is going to church less and less. Amen. Uh, and uh, that's just the opposite flow. They're more in the flow of the world, in the flow of carnal living, and living in the appetites of their flesh than they are the leadings of the Spirit. They're more natural, nor more carnal, more mental than they are spiritual. And uh, so he told us here that that's uh, important in these last days. Well, it's important because we all need the fellowship. We need the, the strengthening of our faith with the fellowship of other believers. We need a, a, a somebody. God, God has raised up pastors to, to feed the flock. Amen. And, and we need somebody to feed us the yes. word of God. Yes, amen. It's interesting how people in, in, in the church, the, now I'm ta- when I say church, I mean the body of Christ, all people that are saved. Uh, I'm talking about every, anybody that's born again, but there's too many people with the mindset of, I can learn whatever I need to learn on my own, I don't need anybody else. Whenever in no other, no other uh, field of industry or uh, 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 trade or anything do people think that way. Nobody thinks that way. I mean, if they're going to be a scientist, let's say they want to study some of the things all, all, all in, in the area of science, they're going to go to school and going to learn everything Einstein learned and all these things that all these researchers learned and that have been proven out and everybody knows. Amen. If they're going to be an electrician, they're going to go and study electricity, but they're going to go all the way back to when it was first discovered and how they learned about the electrons and how they move and all that. Nobody says, I'm going to be an electrician, but I'm just going to learn it all on my own. You're, you're going to be way behind everybody else. No industry does that. But in the church world, people think, well, I don't need to go to church. It's unscriptural. It doesn't even make sense in the world that we live in, in the natural world. Amen. Somebody else is in the body of Christ is further along than we are. I didn't just say you. I said then we are. All of us ought to have somebody to speak into our lives. And uh, we can learn the ropes a whole lot better by just being around somebody else. And you don't, you don't throw away the, pre- the revelation or what God did and said through the previous generation of men of the Spirit and throw that away and say, well, that's over. We're going to do our own thing now. People like that are dishonorable. We're to build on what they taught us. And yes, go, go, go on and keep on uh, learning more about it and building upon it, but yet not move off of that foundation. Amen. It's very important. Very important. Anyway, so um, this, this, uh, when it's time for something that God wants to do in the earth, um, then at that time, we need to know what to do about it. Amen. Now, Go back to First Chronicles chapter number uh, 11. Let's just look through this because I just, I just get a prompting to do this here. First Chronicles chapter number 11. Um, God had anointed King Saul and King Saul, King Saul was God's plan, but King Saul said no. We're going to get to something here tonight. Yes, sir. So just hold on with me. Yes, sir. We're talking about the end times and being in church and what the importance of that is. Yes. And, uh, and, and what, what we're to be doing because it is close to Jesus' return. So King Saul was God's choice, but he said no. Now, how did he say no? Did he just shake his fist at God and say, I don't want this anointing. I don't want to do it. No, he just didn't listen. He didn't follow instructions. God said, well, I'm setting him aside because he's, he's basically uh, hard, you know, he's, he's uh, you know, mentally set on doing his own plans. Yeah. Yeah. No leader is just doing what All he right. wants. No, no divinely appointed leader that God blesses yeah. is just doing what he That's wants right. to do. That's right. That's good. That's good. Yes, 
he, he has to be submitted to, yeah. to the leadership of the Lord, the headship yes. of Jesus yes. to do what the headship of Jesus yes. is telling him to do. And God blesses that. God doesn't bless him doing his own plans. And so God said, I'm setting King Saul aside. I rejected him. He's uh, stubborn and self-willed and so forth. And so I'm going to find me a man. Notice it kept saying about David, I'm finding me a man after my own heart. He said, and he mentioned that, he mentioned that a couple of times, a man after my own heart. What does it mean to be a man after God's own heart? That means what's on God's heart, you make sure and get it in your heart. Amen. Amen. And uh, that means that you're interested in what God is interested in, not just your own, your own plans. The Bible says that Moses was faithful in all his house, all God's house. Moses was faithful. And he built everything he did exactly according as God told him to do it. He built the tabernacle exactly. He didn't add an inch to the ark. Or take away an inch. Because, you know, that doesn't quite fit in there, right? Let's just adjust. No, he did it exactly like God said. Faithful. The Bible said he was faithful in all his house. Faithfulness means you do it exactly like you're instructed to do it. And that's what Moses did. He was faithful. And you can read in the Old Testament, God said to uh, whenever Miriam and Aaron decided, well, they, could, they hear from God too. They, they decided they're going to raise up against Moses and do their, you know, do their own thing, do what they thought Moses ought to do. And they were instructing Moses, don't do it that way, do it this way. Remember, they got leprosy or Miriam got leprosy. And then, and then, uh, and then God said, he, he, he came down in a cloud and talked to Miriam and Aaron about that. And he said, uh, most prophets, I'll talk to him in a dream or in a vision. He said, I'm not going to talk to Moses that way because he's faithful in all my house. I'm going to talk to him face to face like a man talks to his friend. So what does that mean? You can go on in the things of the Spirit if you're faithful. I say you, you can go into higher levels of whatever God has for you if you're faithful. And what does faithfulness mean? Does that mean you're on time? Well, that's part of it. That, that's part of it. But faithful means you do exactly like you're instructed to do. Anyway. King Saul got rejected because of that. You're in First Chronicles chapter number 11. Let's just back up to, uh, no, did I say First Chronicles? I think it's Second Chronicles. Yeah. Uh, no, hey, no, let's see. Okay, no, it's, uh, here it is. Look at First Chronicles 10, verse number 13. So Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not, and also for asking counsel for one or... Uh, Asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. And he inquired not of the Lord. Therefore, he slew him and, and turned the kingdom unto David, the son of Jesse. Now, there's no permissive verb in the Greek. I mean, excuse me, the Hebrew. This is the Hebrew language. This is into the English, but it's out of Hebrew. There's no permissive verb in the Hebrew language. There's never any place that it... That, that, the word, that, that allowing something to happen is written. It always makes it sound like it's causative. God didn't kill Saul. He did it himself. God's word is a sharp two-edged sword. You get on one side, it'll bless you. You get on the other side, it'll hurt you. Amen. And that's Saul's choice or our choice, not God's choice. Are you out there? You still? That's really what judgment is. It's not God saying, I'm going to deal with that smack. It's just that you get on the wrong side of God's instructions and you open the door to the devil and the devil will take you out. Amen. Anyway, but, uh, and I, I could go into that a whole lot and, and prove a lot of things there, but um, one way to prove it is, thank you, Lord, I'll just take the time to do a little bit of it. One way to prove it is the Bible said the Lord sent fiery serpents when Israel complained. But you read verses over in Deuteronomy, it said the Lord had been holding those fiery serpents back. Well, who is God? Is he the one that holds these things back or is he the one that sends these things? Is he schizophrenic? Does he not know what to do? No, he holds them back. But really, whenever they complained, and we can do things like this today, that we remove that hedge. It's us that remove that hedge. And it gives place to these things. Anyway. Um, we won't take any more time on that. But notice it says that's what happened. King Saul died. And then it says in verse number, uh, this is chapter number 11, 1 Chronicles chapter number 11, verse number 1. 
it says, then all of Israel gathered themselves to David unto Hebron. And it goes on and on and talks about all the people that were coming. And I want you to notice a few passages. We're just going to go through here a little bit. You might not understand what I'm saying here yet or what, why I'm saying this, but just hang on with me. And so down in verse number three, it says at the end of the verse, they anointed David king over Israel according to the word of the Lord by Samuel. Now, so they're following what Samuel had spoken by the Spirit. And Samuel is the previous generation. Now, I, it says here, now go back to the thought. I got to get you all on board where I'm going here. The tribe of Issachar knew what time it was, what, what season it was, and they knew what to do. Let me ask you a question. Why would something that, like that be written of them? They must have had a reputation of some kind. I said they must have had some sort of reputation. They must have had a reputation that they were people that, that knew times and seasons of spiritual things and what, what God was really saying, what God was really doing. And really, uh, it's very possible here. A lot of these things we're getting ready to see that they were doing in a time of a new era. Are you listening to me? They were, they were doing because the tribe of Issachar was saying, this is what we ought to do. Because not everybody had yet, this was the beginning of everybody coalescing around David. Now, really, they weren't coalescing around David. They were coalescing around the plan. Yeah. Yes, sir. And David was God's plan. Yeah. Now, everybody had a part in this, in this new era that's coming in. Are you with me? But they all, but they weren't all the leader of it. And the tribe of Issachar must have recognized, well, the prophet Samuel, he's the leading ministry. He's the voice of the Spirit in the land at, at this hour. Yeah. Not that there weren't others probably, but he's the leading one. Yes. And, uh, and this is what he said. So they must have told everybody, it's time for that. This is what we ought to do. We ought to go make David king. So they're learning yeah. to, to recognize, maybe through the tribe of Issachar, if not in whole, maybe in part, the tribe of Issachar said, this is what we need to do. We need to make him king. Yeah. It's not somebody else. It's not one of King Saul's yeah. sons, yeah. because he had many sons. Right. His yeah. main three were yeah. killed. But it's, it's David. Yeah. This is what the Holy Ghost is saying, yeah. because this is what the man of God said, yeah. by the Spirit. Not some man just thinking this is what, it, oh, by, the by, by the Spirit. He had a proven ministry by the Spirit. Yeah. And so maybe the tribe of Issachar was talking to everybody and telling them, this is what we ought to do. It's possible. I don't have scripture for it, but there's an implication of it there. Amen. And then notice it said they, they anointed David there. And that's the end of verse number three. This is chapter number 11. Now go down to verse number eight. David, this is talking about David. He built the city round about even. This is, they, they call it the city of David. And verse number nine. So David waxed greater and greater for the Lord of hosts was with him. I'm getting somewhere. So hold on. He waxed greater and greater for the Lord of hosts was with him. And then it starts talking about his mighty men. There in verse number 10, he had these mighty men, chiefs among, uh, chiefs among mighty men whom David had. And they helped David. And it tells about the different feats they, they, they accomplished and so forth. Then go to verse 17. Uh, here's one of the men, David longed and said, oh, that one would give me to drink of the well of Bethlehem that is at, at the gate and three break through. These are three, these mighty men. They broke through the host of the Philistines, drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. And David would not drink it. And he poured it out and said, man, you guys risked your own lives here. I mean, if you read verse number 19 and so forth, you risked your own lives to get this for me. I appreciate it. I mean, your love and your honor for me, I appreciate, but just out of honor for you, I'm not going to drink this, you know. And so you can see a, a high level of respect yes, sir. Yes, sir. and an acknowledgement yeah. of someone that, that you're coming under. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Amen. Can you see that? Uh, I'm, I'm just giving you different things I want you to recognize in this gathering together. Now come over to chapter number 12. It mentions again at the beginning of the chapter, chapter 12, verse number one, these are they that came to David to Ziklag and well, and it goes in and starts mentioning a whole bunch of them again. Then go to verse number 16. I'm pointing out certain things that are important because we need to think about some of this. 
We're getting to uh, explain this in a minute. There came of, uh, 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 to the children of Benjamin. Uh, there came of the children of Benjamin and Judah to the hold unto David. Now it just keeps talking about who's coming and who they were and what, what abilities they had. And they all had something from God to help David. And now here's Judah and David. I mean, excuse me, Judah and Benjamin, they came to David. And David went out to meet them and answered and said unto them, If ye become peaceably unto me to help me, mine heart shall be knit unto you. But if you come to betray me to mine enemies, seeing there is no wrong in mine hand, the God of our fathers look thereon and rebuke it. Now look at this, verse 18, you need to catch this right here. If you're going into leadership, if you're going into ministry, if God wants you to pastor a church or anything like that, get this verse, don't, let ever get, don't, ever, get it, let, don't ever let it get away from you. Verse 18, then the Spirit came on Amasiah, who was the chief of the captains, and he said, in other words, this, this group's leader, he said, thine are we, David, and of thine house, uh, and on thy side, thou son of Jesse, be, Jesse, peace, peace be unto thee, and peace be unto thine helpers, for thy God helpeth thee. He didn't just say that, the anointing came on him, and he yes, said sir. it. Look at verse, the end of verse number 18. Then, circle then, David received them and made them captains of the band. I'm telling you, if you're called into leadership, don't receive people unless, the, unless you can hear the Holy Ghost in their voice. Because people can say things and, they, and there's no witness in your spirit. Boy, we could spend some time on that one. So we see... We see unity forming around God's plan. Now, Acts 13, excuse me, Acts 13, 22, I believe it is, says about David that, here, let me just read it here. This is a, a reference in the New Testament to, about David. When he had removed Saul, him or Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also, we're reading about that right now. But whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. Now here's more information about what it means to be a man after God's own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. God had a plan and he found a man who would follow him and lead others into that plan and not do his own plan. Amen. That's what it means to be a man after God's own heart. Well, what's on the Father's heart today? What's God doing today? Huh? We need to be gathering around that. Amen. I said we need to be gathering around that. Not around a man, around the plan. What's the Spirit saying God's doing today? What's, and, and what do we do about it? Here's what we do about it. We unite around it. Amen. We're going to get into that in just a minute. Let me just finish up over here in 1 Chronicles. So it says, look at verse number 22. And now I'm in the 12th chapter, 1 Chronicles 12. And uh, they're uniting around God's plan. Because this is what God is doing. They knew what time it was. Somebody's out there saying, now it's time for this, and this is what we ought to do. Here's what we ought to do. We ought to unite ourselves because there's been division. Yeah. There's yeah. been Saul fighting against David yeah. and David running for his life yeah. and, and different camps doing different things. Yes. Now here, here's what time it is, and here's what we ought to do. We need to unite around God's plan. Yeah. And men of God of the Spirit before us, Men of the Spirit before us have told us what, God's, what the Spirit's saying to us and what we need to do. Amen. People today that are trying to change and move away from what the previous generation said are not worthy of you following them. They're not worthy of you following them. Why do they have to be the big wig? Why do they have to come up with all new things? Yeah. Why can't they just submit to what God did in the previous generation? Yeah. Yes, build upon it. Yes, move on and keep on moving with God's plan. But not move away from what the previous generation said, that this is what the Holy Ghost is doing. And you know what, you know what God said through Brother Hagin? He said, God's raising up. You want to know what God's doing today? He's raising up strong local churches and teaching them to move with the Word and the moving of the Holy Ghost. We need to unite 
around the vision for the local church. Amen. Look at verse number, this is chapter number 12, verse number 22. I'm skipping a lot because there's a lot of names and so forth and says what they, who they were and all that, but just pointing out the high spots. First Chronicles 12, verse number 22. For at that time, David, excuse me, at that time, day by day, there came day to David to help him until it was a great host like the host of God. There, the people just kept coming and coming and coming and uniting around God's plan. Hallelujah. Until this plan uh, really gained a lot of momentum. Look here in verse number 32. This is where the children of Issachar, they were men that had understanding of the times, and they knew what Israel ought to do. I think they were speaking into this. Now look at verse number, uh, some of the things I'm pointing out, I believe is important in this day about uniting around God's plan today. What's God doing and what should we do about it? We need to unite around what God's saying and what we need to do. Now, how do we unite around that? Well, look here in verse number, uh, let's look at verse uh, 33. We were in verse 32. Uh, Zebulon, such as went forth to battle. Now, each tribe is mentioned, and it mentioned their strong points and what they brought, what supply they brought. How many of you know Ephesians 4.16 says we all have a supply? Every joint supply. We all have something to supply the work of God. And so here's Zebulon. Uh, such as went forth to battle, experts in war, with all instruments of war, 50,000, which could keep rank. Ha! They were not of double heart. They were single-hearted, amen, about the plan. And they could keep rank. In other words, they didn't care if they were the big wig or not. Wherever I fit. Wherever I fit, wherever I fit, that's where I'm going to stay, and I'm going to stay in my rank. I'm not going to get out of my place, trying to get into something else that doesn't belong to my, it's not to my, doesn't belong to my grace. Somebody said one time, you get out of your place, you're going to get out of your grace and fall flat on your face. Yes, come on. I like that. They could keep rank. Look down in verse 38. All these men of war that could keep rank came with a perfect heart. Then in verse number, uh, well, the same verse there, it says to Hebron to make David king over all Israel and all the rest also of Israel were of one heart. Underline that. We're of one heart to make David king. Somebody's speaking into this. Somebody's saying this is what we ought to do. This is what we need to do. This is what time it is. I think this, this tribe of Issachar had a big part in, 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 in telling people this is what we need to do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And you notice a lot of it, as far as what they were to do, a lot of it had to do with uniting, yes. being in unity, yes. staying in their place. Can you say amen? amen? Well, praise the Lord. What's on the Father's heart today? Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, Thou art Peter, upon this rock I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's what he's doing today. He's building the church. He's building the church. And that's, that, that's made up of local churches. Amen. And that's what Jesus said to Brother Hagin. What's he doing today? He's raising up small, small, uh, uh, strong local churches, teaching them to flow with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, we ought to unite around that plan. Yes, that's good. And, and as the day, we see the day approaching, come on, unite, unite more and more. But think about Hebrews 10, verse 25. Uh, he said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the man or some is so much the more as you see the day approaching. Notice, he does, he's not just saying, don't forsake going to church. Don't forsake being in the building. He said, don't forsake assembling, assembling, assembling is different than everybody being in the same place. Sometimes I get in uh, public crowds for different reasons, maybe a sports event or, you know, uh, a caucus event for elections or, you know, things like that where you're in a group and you're there kind of all for the same purpose for some reason. 
And you know what, you know what always stands out to me the most about being in that kind of a setting? How disconjointed everybody is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is very little unity around anything. Not spiritual unity. There's a difference between spiritual unity and uniting around spiritual things. See, we're used to a corporate unity of spirit. And that is so much, so far superior and so much greater than just uniting around a political candidate or uniting around a baseball game or something in, something in the flesh, something in the natural. Unity of the spirit is so much greater than any of that, that it's as if it's not even, there's no unity even there. That's the way I feel when I get in some of those groups. It's like, this isn't unity at all. Just, just. Just a bunch of people together over something natural. It's nothing. There's no connection of heart. There's no respect for the things I respect in God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, so um, the devil really is scared of unity in the body of Christ. He doesn't want us getting united. He's okay with people getting together. As long as there's no assembling. Because if there's assembly, and he'll throw every trick in the book against you to try to keep you from being in unity with the part of the body of Christ God set you in. Amen. I've been sensing a need to address this lately. Amen. Why does he try to oppose unity? Well, he doesn't want what happened in the book of Acts. Because it would talk about them being in one place in one accord and suddenly. One place in one accord and suddenly. What? Suddenly what? Suddenly the move of the Spirit. Because when suddenly start happening and the Spirit of God starts moving, some bondage, some uh, affliction that He has worked for decades to put people under gets broken just like that. And He does not like unity. He does not like... And he'll, he'll throw everything against you being in unity with the rest of the body of Christ that he can think of. If you got any pride in you, he'll use that. If, you, if you're a person that was trained to give your opinion about everything, he'll use that. Amen. And it's the pastor's job in a local church. I'm talking about the setting of a local church. It's the pastor's job to uh, train people in unity. Because we don't know how to be in unity because of where we come from out in the world. We don't know how to be in unity with others because of the flow we're used to in the world. And so we'll try to bring the flow of the world into the church because our minds aren't renewed and, and it'll hinder the flow of the Spirit in the local church. Amen. And so that's why Satan hates it. Plus, Psalm 133 says how good and how pleasant, that whole chapter, Psalm 133, how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. He said it's like the ointment that came on Aaron's head and went down to his beard, down to the skirts of his, bro- skirts of his garment. He said, there, 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 the Lord commanded the blessing. There's a blessing in divine unity that you won't get on your own. Amen. And so the devil will try to oppose unity because he's scared of the body of Christ getting in one because then his heyday's over. That'll usher in. If we get in unity, that'll usher in the move of the Spirit, which will usher in the harvest, which will, which will usher in the return of Jesus. And, and that means a thousand years in the bottomless pit for him. Talk about for, for Satan. That means his heyday's over. And so he, he, he can't, he, he, he'll do everything he can to hinder yeah. unity. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Wow. That's why he hates it. He's scared. He's scared if we get in unity, the Holy Ghost will fall. And it'll start falling all over the body of Christ. <laughs> now, Acts 2, 1 through 2, it talks about when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one accord in one place. Remember that? And, uh, and so... They, were, they had a purpose for being there. They were there because Jesus had said, tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. And so they're there, and the Bible said they continued in one accord in prayer. That's the end of chapter number one. 
they were continued in one accord in prayer, and it mentions who was there. And then it says, uh, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, suddenly, and the Holy Ghost fell, right? So that, that, uh, when that day was fully come, there's things that got, in other words, it was time for this. Yeah. It was time for the outpouring of the Spirit. Yes. Jesus had rose. He had yes. died. He yes. had shed his blood. He had rose, taken his blood up to the, holy, you know, the heavenly holy of holies, yes. presented that blood. And then, remember, he, received, he said, I'll pray the Father and he'll give you another yes. comforter. Yes. And so he's, he's uh, asking God to pour out now the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Yes. He ascends up and takes his uh, seat and the Holy Ghost gets poured out. Yes. Praise God. Hallelujah. And the church begins to do exactly what Jesus was doing when he walked the earth. Healing the sick, casting out devils, preaching, and 3,000 get saved in one sermon. Move of God. It was time. It was time. I said it was time. That was what time it is. Jesus had done, he had paid the price for the baptism of the, for us to all be born again, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so it was time for that. So whenever they knew what time it was and, and uh, you know, what God's plan was, what did they do? They got in unity. Yes. Isn't that what it said? They were all in one accord. Isn't that right? Go back there. Acts chapter number one. Is that what verse is that? Oh, it is two one. It is two one. So it says when the day of Pentecost was in one. Let's go, let's go back up though to uh, uh, look at verse number 14, chapter number one. These all continue. Mentions who they are. These all continued with one accord. With one accord. That means one, you know, they're in unity. In one accord, in prayer and supplication. In other words, they're praying and believing God for this outpouring that Jesus said was coming. They were in one accord about it. They weren't in division about it. They were in unity. So then it says in chapter number two, verse number one, when the day of Pentecost was, one, was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. So you can see what they were in one accord doing in verse number 14. They were in one accord about the, the purpose of God, the plan of God, and they were uniting around that plan. That plan was that the baptism of the Holy Ghost come, the, the outpouring of the Spirit come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So once we know what God wants to do, it's important what we do. I said it's important what we do. Isn't that right? We have to be doing the right thing at the right time. It matters that we're doing the right thing at the right time. Hallelujah. What is the right thing right now? Unite. Unite. Lay down everything that the devil throws at you to try to get you out of unity with, with where he sets you. I'm talking about where God, where God sets you. Bible said in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, he has set us in the body as it pleased him. Hallelujah. I'm glad he had a place for me and mine. I'm glad he had a place. I'm glad whenever he thought of me, he thought, I have a place for you. I got a place for you. A place for you in the body where I'd be pleased if you would be there. Well, smart people to find out what pleases God and they just, they're pleased with what God's pleased with. And they don't let anything get between them and the plan of God. Their feelings, their opinions. Well, I wouldn't do it that way if I were him. Well, you know what an opinion is. It's the thinking of someone who has no authority to make a decision about it. Amen. Not trying to be mean. I'm just saying that's, I mean, I mean, I'm in the same boat when it comes to other people's, where I'm submitted in the body of Christ. Pastor Nancy's, I, I don't, it doesn't matter what I think. I might have some thoughts, but I just, I don't even entertain those thoughts. It doesn't matter. Amen. And that's the way we all ought to be when it comes to where God has put us. Where yeah. we, and if we don't have any authority in yeah. the matter, yeah. it's, it's, it's just like, well, whatever God tells them to do. Yeah. Yeah. Some people have the habit of being disagreeable. I can tell you people right now, I know of people right now, that their only reason for struggling all the time and, and just constantly struggling in life, in every, almost every area of life, is because they can never really ever lay down having their own opinion about everything. And some of them is just because of pride. They think they know better. 
Well, in your life, do whatever God tells you to do. Uh-huh. But what did he tell the leadership of the church he yeah. told you to do Come to be on. at? Well, I think we ought to go this direction. I think we ought to go that. I think we ought to have some more light shows. And I think we ought to maybe, maybe not, not do this or might not, not do that or have a different kind of music, you know. Or, yeah. Yeah. Did God say come here? Then, then just what, what? Thank you. Come on, yes. And we're really not interested in your opinion. That's true. That's true. I got to give an account before the Lord. And he's not going to ask me, did you listen to what so-and-so had to say? Because sheep don't speak into leadership. So don't write to us and tell us what you think. You know, we just have to just deal with some of this every now and then. Amen. Well, I don't like this, or I don't think we ought to do this, or, or people do this wrong, or so... Um, you, you're practicing disunity, yeah, and that's why you struggle all all your life is struggle, 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 struggle. Spiritual people look for look for unity. They want to be in unity. They don't want to create division everywhere they go. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And first of all, we're in unity around what God's plan is. We're not just uniting around what somebody's opinion is. We're uniting around what God's plan is. Amen. I told one man one time, he, he said to me, he said, well, you know, uh, you know, I could pastor a church better than you do. I said, how long have you been in Cedar Rapids? He mentioned how many years, a dozen or more years, or, I don't know, more, somewhere between 10 and 20 years. And uh, I said, well... And he, he said, I got a call to pastor. And he said, I could probably do a better job. And I said, how long have you been here? And he, he said, whatever years was. I said, I noticed that you don't have a church. And I noticed that you didn't raise one up. Uh-huh. And I noticed that you're not pastoring anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Come on. Come on. So apparently you can't do it better than. Right. Come on. Amen. I mean, you might think that's mean, but I'm, in, I'm dealing with disunity. Yeah. And that man to this day is nowhere near pastoring, although he's called to it, because God won't honor that. If he can't be faithful with another man's ministry, God won't give him his own. He can't be in unity with somebody else and submit to somebody else. How's God going to give him his own? I haven't preached like this for a while, but it's just time to shuck some corn. Amen. The devil keeps stirring people up like that. And he comes, he finds people who have wrong thinking and he tries to use their wrong thinking to get them to create disunity. Yeah, right. yeah, right. yeah. Now, every person that God sends here is welcome here. Yes, but if you want to bring disunity into this congregation, that is not welcome here. And we deal with that stuff. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God said in Proverbs 6, 16, and 19, he said he hates the sowing of discord among brethren. You know why? It destroys unity, which destroys the move of the Spirit. It destroys the blessing of God. Amen. You remember over in uh, 2 Chronicles, it says in verses five, or chapter 5, verses 13 through 14, it says... Uh, it came to pass when they were in one accord to make one sound yes. that, that the house was filled with a cloud. Yes. That's unity, isn't it? Being one, one represents unity. That's yes. what that means there. And so notice that they produced the atmosphere that God moved in. God didn't produce the atmosphere. He did manifest the anointing. But he didn't produce the atmosphere. The people produced the atmosphere. Amen. Those that grieve the spirit, they, they're saying no to the blessing of unity. Amen. They're saying, I don't want that blessing. Second Chronicles 5 there says that power showed up in response to the unity of God's people. 
In other words, God responded, but man initiated it by their unity. Yes, that's good. Oh, I like that. (laughs) I like that. Hallelujah. 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 I said, God responded to it, but but the people initiated it by their unity. I'm talking about that outpouring of the Spirit where the house was filled with a cloud. That cloud is the manifest presence of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we see that happening all through the book of Acts. On the day of Pentecost, it happened. In Acts chapter number 4, it happened. In Acts chapter number 13, it happened. In Acts chapter number 16, it happened. All those are passages where uh, there was not just one person praying and the anointing fell. It was the whole corporate body praying and united. And they were in one accord. And the power of God started moving. Okay, I'll go ahead and say it. I loved, in fact, that's not a strong enough word, just, just, I was giddy, just, just went away, ha, 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 I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it, uh, at the end of Tim and Vanessa's reception, they honored God in their wedding, they honored God with the music. They honored God with their, their following His will. They honor Him. These are, these are two of the most precious people you've ever met. And, and their coming together was the plan of God. It was all Holy Ghost. You heard a little bit about it, but you didn't hear all the stories. Just amazing. And at the end, they said, they said, join with us as we as the bride and groom worship God. And they were thrilled to be in the plan of God, and they, and they asked us to unite and praise God with them for what God was doing in their lives. And a bride and groom dressed up and are supposed to be dignified, weren't ashamed to get out in the aisle, and loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. And I'm sitting there thinking, I want everybody to notice, you honor God. The blessing falls. Amen. You honor God by following his plan. You honor God by the kind of music you play. Amen. And uh, anyway, just saying, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Hallelujah. (laughs) If the anointing doesn't fall on something, ask yourself why. Did we not honor God? Is there something he didn't like about what we did? Because when he's pleased, he shows it. Amen. That's why pastors have to keep wrong spirits from getting into the church. Because it grieves the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost will not, he'll not inhabit a place that has grieved the Holy Ghost. Amen. We see that all through the book of Acts. And they, they, whenever they united, they were basically inviting power. Yeah. Unity invites power into manifestation. And when we say unity, first of all, we're uniting around God's plan. We're not just talking about being in unity with one another with our own plan. We're talking about being in unity with all of us around God's plan. And then being in unity with one another around does that make sense? I don't yes, know if that makes sense. Yes, Praise God. And so um, these verses, all these things in Acts and Second Chronicles and every place, they show us that power shows up in response to unity of God's people. Amen. He responds to hunger, yes, but he responds to unity. Amen. Hallelujah. But assembly is about more than just being present. It's something we do in our hearts. Amen. We can practice this and become good at it. Practice being in unity. Practice unity. Spiritual people do that. They don't practice disagreement. They don't practice giving their opinions. They don't practice writing notes to the pastor about how he th- they think he ought to do it. That's creating division. And if you don't bust that out for your life, the anointing will bust you. The anointing will bust yes, you because yes. we are going to have unity yes, in this sir. congregation. Amen. 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 Now, it says over there in 1 John 2, 27, um, the, the anointing that abides in you teaches you all things, even as it has taught you abide in him. 
Remember, the anointing you have received of him abides in you. You need not any man teach you. The same anointing teaches you of all things. And, and, and so he's talking about the anointing teaching you all things. Let the Holy Ghost in your spirit teach you unity. Amen. Let him teach you to don't say that. Whenever what you're getting ready to say is just being critical. You know what I'm talking about? Because the Holy Ghost in you will, ah, don't, yeah, no, don't yeah, say that. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Yeah, Amen. I, I've had him do that. In my life, I had him do it in my marriage. I had to learn. Yes, sir. Don't say that. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. Yeah. Speak yeah. unity. Yeah. Amen. And I've had to learn to practice unity. And uh, you, you need to be interested in something bigger than yourself. Yeah. Or being a part of something bigger than yourself and flowing with a corporate group, the body of Christ, the local church, becoming one and uniting around that and not being fussy about the decisions, well, that he didn't put me in as the worship leader, didn't put me in here or something like that. With all my heart before God, I lay down all my plans and I say, God, what is your plan? That's why I don't move very quick. I mean, we got a lot of decisions to make about Kansas City, and I don't move very quick. I've got a couple pieces of direction. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Told Teresa the other day on the phone, I said, man, there's so many decisions that need to be made. I get tempted every now and then to just, just make them, make them, make them, make them, make them, make them. I got so many, they got to be made, they got to be made. But I said, I can't do that because I've done that before and I get in trouble. More or less, I've become more of a mover and a shaker. I know how to move and shake. Let's just get this thing on. Let's move, let's get, put this person here, put this, let's get it going. I know how to do that, but I I can't do that and be, it'll get me in trouble. (laughs) Are you still there? But but people that are not okay with that, with whatever leading God gives, it it might not even be my preference. But I'm not here to do my thing. That's That's just the truth about it. If I was here to do my thing, I wouldn't even be here. (laughs) So... Forget all that. (laughs) I'm not trying to be nasty on any. I love the will of God, but you know what I'm talking about. Wasn't my plan to begin with. Amen. I go to God with that on different occasions, you know. Lord, it's your your deal. Wasn't my plan to begin with. So if you can't put it over, I'm going out hunting, you know. Just, just. (laughs) That's not a lack of taking my my taking my responsibility in faith. It's just casting the care of it over on the Lord. Now look here in Ephesians chapter number four, verse number three. This is the Amplified. Amen. Amen. So say it out loud before you're going to turn there, but say this out loud before we read that. I'm going to start practicing unity. You know, any carnal person can be divisive. Any of us could yield to our own thinking and yield to our own opinions, yield to our own fleshly appetites and say, well, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to get in agreement. Um, in your marriage, practice unity. Yes, sir. You know, by the end of the week, it won't matter. A lot of things that people get fussy about won't matter. Probably by the end of the day, it won't even matter. But to get all in division and create strife over something that doesn't really matter. What, what does it matter? That you ate Mexican that, li- that night because your wife wanted to eat Mexican, but you don't like Mexican. Whatever, just... Take some Rolaids and deal with indigestion. And <laughs> After a day, it'll all be over. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Ephesians 4.3. This is the Amplified. Be eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep the harmony and oneness of and produce by the Spirit in the binding power of peace. Woo, isn't that good? Unity of the Spirit is something we're to be eager and strive for. You know what that means? It's not going to fall on us automatically. Isn't that right? And we're to guard against division. Notice it says, be eager to guard. Strive earnestly to guard and keep the unity. Guard. You know, when we walk in unity, we're guarding the congregation from, you know, the enemy having access to the congregation. Amen. Just think about that. Next time you want to get fussy about something. Amen. In private as well as in public. 
Pastor, honor, Pastor Nancy is honored in Pastor Debbie and I's life when we're around her, but also just as much when she's not present. Amen. She gets all of our honor in our house, everything we say, everything we do, everything we think. I guard my personal thought life. When I'm all by myself, it's always honor. And it protects me. It guards me. It guards the enemy from getting in and destroying something that God, a place that God set me. Amen. First Peter 3.12, this is in the Amplified also. First Peter 3.12 in the Amplified, this is, I say Amplified, I'm always referring to the classic. Let him search for peace. This is uh, part of the verse here, not, not the beginning. Let him search for peace, harmony, undisturbedness from fears, agitations, passions, and moral conflicts. But then he also said, so, said seek it e- eagerly. Then he said, do not merely desire peaceful la- relationships with God, with your fellow man and with yourself, but pursue and go after them. So notice he's not just talking about peace within our inner being, but peaceful relationships with our fellow man. He said, don't just merely desire it, but go after it. You know what that means? It means sometimes we just shut our mouth and what we think doesn't matter. So we see these verses, pursue it, be eager for it, strive earnestly, guard and keep the oneness and the unity of peaceful relationships and brotherly love in the body of Christ and so forth and so on. You know, that's telling us that it won't happen just because it won't happen automatically just because, well, I'm, I'm going to the same church they do. No, it won't happen because of that. It happens because we go after it. Amen. We have to be taught to walk in unity. Amen. And so what is the effort that we have to put forth? The effort is to walk in the spirit. Don't walk in the flesh. Your flesh has a lot of things that will agitate it. Well, I know mine is. Is yours like mine? For those of you that didn't say yes, let me answer that for you. Yes. (laughs) My flesh has a lot of things that agitate it. I had to tell my wife today, I'm sorry, some of the things I was... You know, I was, I was irritated about, not, not about her, but, you know, things that we had to deal with. Not, not in our relationship. You know what I mean. Um, I'm being vague. <laughs> but I'm just simply saying, I, I went back to her and I said, I think I was a little too agitated about that. Now, most people wouldn't have thought that, but I know what my own conscience yes. was saying. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. I said, I'm, I apologize. Yes. I, I didn't want to yeah. work you up, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Because I'm practicing peace. Yes. 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 Hallelujah. And, and good relationships. Yeah. Hallelujah. And so, really, we've got to learn this because we came out of a, a disunited world out there. Everything in the world is division, division. I mean, and, and, and really, some, some people are pushing division right now. Dividing between male and female and, you know, bringing up all sorts of different divisions amongst us. You can easily find things that make us different about one another. That takes no spirituality. But what is it that unites us? Let's join around that. Amen. Hallelujah. So where it pleases God to set us, that's where we're pleased to be. And pleasure is revealed in unity. Me saying, I'm pleased to be where God wants me, that, that's revealed in me saying, I'm going to do, what my, I'm going to do my part to uh, keep the unity of the body. Yes. Amen. 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 This is where I fit. How many of you, for example, the Bible talks about a man that, uh, well, maybe it, maybe it talks about a man or, and a woman that uh, causes strife. He troubles his own house. Yeah. You ever read that verse? Yes, I might not be quoting it exactly, but it's something that affects... Don't bring trouble into the very house God assigned you to be in. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if this is going to be your house, talking about the local church body here, this is going to be your house. Bring something that that brings a blessing to the house. Amen. Amen. Don't bring things in that divide and things in that stir up, you know, whatever. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, are you glad you came tonight? Yes, sir. Do your part. Amen. You might think like your part's not important, but it's very important. Yes, it hasn't happened for a while because um, 
Well, I've sensed a little bit lately, but um, that's kind of why I'm dressing it. But, but years gone by especially, there was times, some of you that were here in the early years, you know there was a, every now and then there was just some, some atmosphere that would hit this church. It was, anyway, I won't get into all that, but, and we kept dealing with it in the spirit. Eventually we got out, kept it out, and, and it hasn't been around. I mean, one Sunday about a year ago or something, that was like, there's that thing again. That's, that's not coming back in Jesus' name. But anyway, it's been a long time. But I'll never forget it. There's, there were services to where there was n- literally everything I said would slap me back in the face. And it was just preaching. It was like preaching up against a flat wall. And something was not right. And so I said to uh, some of the staff afterwards, I said, I don't know what was going on today, but something wasn't right. And they said, well, Pastor, we didn't want to tell you before the service. Because we wanted, you know, we didn't want to get you distracted. But there's so and so fussing with so and so in the back of the auditorium before the service. Yeah. I said, "Oh, mm-hmm. that's what it was." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Hindered the anointing. Yeah. <clears throat> Who knows? Maybe, so, maybe there was supposed to be some power fall to heal somebody yes. that day. Yes. Yes. That's right. Come on. And they affected it. Yeah. They hindered it. I don't want stuff like that on my conscience. Do you want that on your conscience? I don't want that on my conscience. So we need to be taught. Hallelujah. Thank God for the five-fold ministry that teaches us these things. Amen. God's calling us together in corporate effort. I'm closing. And uh, there's power in unity together with God and unity together with one another. And uh, agreement with the plan of God is to be our, you know, goal in life. It's to be our, you remember he said, strive for that, strive for that. Um, The children of Israel show us an example of being in disunity with leadership. And they they had been slaves in Egypt uh, against their will, you know, slaves against against their will. And they had been under that for 400 years. So it got into the whole culture of the Israelite people under the, you know, that kind of oppression. And, you know, you can get really uh, rebellious in your heart, even if you can't do it outwardly because you're going to get whipped by a whip. But in your heart, you can be full of disunity with everything going on in Egypt and hatred toward all Egyptians. You know what I'm talking about? And you can be bitter and you can be angry and you can be, you can be rebellious inside, you know, like the little boy said, because his mama told him to go sit in the corner. And he said, well, I'm, I'm, or stand in the corner. He said, well, I'm standing in in the outside, but I'm sitting down on the inside. (laughs) That's, that can get into the culture if you're, you're, uh, it's not even an employer, but your, your landlord and not, I mean, the guy that owns you which is the most diabolical thing in the world, but uh, is uh, controlling you and owns you and beating you and hurting you and harming you and doing things wrong. You can get wrong. You can get bitter on the inside and you can get rebellious. Every chance you get, you cuss them when they aren't around. You know what I'm talking about? See their picture on the wall? You spit on it. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Because you're carrying that on the inside. Well, they finally, uh, God rose, raised up Moses and delivered them. But they, and they got out of Egypt, but they never got Egypt out of them. And they brought that disunity with leadership over into the, over into the, the wilderness and started complaining against Moses and rebelling against Moses. And said, Let's make us a captain and go back to Egypt. Remember all that? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, it cost them Canaan's land. God had a plan. He had something he wanted to get them into. But it cost them that. And they never got out of the wilderness because of never getting that out of them. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, stand with me to your feet. Did you get anything out of the word tonight? Let's get all that stuff out of us. What do you say? Crucify the flesh. Crucify what the the, uh, irritations of the flesh are. Amen. Anybody that's been around any other person for a period of time can find out something that irritates them. Amen. That's why people are sometimes meaner to their spouse than they are anybody else. Because they've been around their flesh more than anybody else. 
which, which you ought to be sweeter than, than yeah. to those closer to you. But, but you know how the devil works. He deceives you and gets you to, you know, he points out the other person's faults and failures and all their fleshly things and make you, they just irritate you. Just irritate you. Yeah. So Amen. Amen. This is good wisdom for the new, newlyweds here. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But uh, don't practice that. Yeah. Don't practice yielding to your irritations. Yeah, that's good. Amen. Amen. Most people don't realize it, but if you've got 10 irritations, I've got about 100. Because <laughs> i got more people to deal with than you. Amen. Amen. But I have to get a hold of myself. Yeah. Amen. If I come in here smiling a lot, smiling a lot and shouting a lot, I'm getting a hold of myself. Amen. I'm just saying, hallelujah. Woo, glad to be in church. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. Do you love the local church? Do you love your, bo- your brother and sister in the body of Christ? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, each one of us has a supply to each one of each, each, each of the other. Amen. We've got something for each other. Amen. So as you go tonight, turn to your neighbor and say, I have a supply for your life. You have a supply for my life. God called us together. We're going to walk in love. We're going to walk in unity. And we're going to walk in that which pour, causes the blessing to flow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. From the top of this body to the bottom. Glory be to God. Amen.